Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Almost Focused with your hosts, Matt and Nathaniel. Special guests today, Q and Emma. Welcome to the show. We've got a special one for you. Two guests today. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Nathaniel. Uh, and with us we have Emma, the composer of our theme song. Our lovely theme song. Absolutely lovely. Yay, thank you. <laughs> and uh, Quentin, who is a former colleague of mine at uh, Game Company. Hi, how's it going? I like I like a underline game company <laughs> yeah. like mystery. Uh, they like to lay low. I don't know how they feel about being mentioned in the cast, being outed on the cast, right? Yeah. Uh, but he is the. I, I already said your title wrong once today. Sure. What is sure. it? Uh, operations lead. Operations lead. Yeah. So he makes all the servers work. Yeah, yeah. I make all the all the little uh, electronic things go. Uh, do they beep and boop and stuff? I I always oh, yeah. try and make mine do that. Yeah, we've got so many blinking lights. You don't even you don't even. Uh, he took me into his blinking like... light closet. And it was just this magical. <laughs> that sounds like fetish territory right yeah. there. I'm sorry. I mean, you said you wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you want to see my blinking light closet? No, no yeah. thanks, man. Keep that to yourself, will you? Um, so today. Uh, we're hold on, doing... hold on. We have two guests, right? Oh, I guess you already introduced Emma. Yeah. Look at me yeah. jumping in like. Emma's, Emma's just sitting there quietly. I'm very quiet. Um, so today we wanted to talk about Emma, or talk with Emma about what she does, which is the. I think game we want to talk closing. about her too, right? Yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're very, we're very happy about our new theme song, um, as if, our repeated praise might indicate. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, since I'm in Denver this week, we thought we'd grab her and. Make her come on the cast and talk about what she does. Yes, I'm. I'm very excited. I'm a fan of the podcast, and and then also having done the music for it, I'm. I'm very excited. Now you're a part I, of the podcast. Now I am a part of the podcast. I think you're the first person I've heard describe themselves as a fan of the podcast. So That's I just it, we're wanna, done. <laughs> on record, <laughs> on record. All right, we've now gotten two review codes, and we have a fan. I don't know why we're doing this podcast anymore. Yeah, like, I know. We're done. It can we're only done. get harder from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We started at the bottom. Now we're here, guys. Um, um, so why don't we just get started, Emma? Tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into game composing? Uh, okay, I am. Uh, I started out as a musician and a songwriter. Uh, so that was. Let's see. I'm 29 now, and that was when I was 12. So you guys do the math. Um, that's quite a long time, five I guess. Five years. Only five, five years. years. We're back. I've only been doing this for six months, so, I mean, you guys you're, put you're a lot a of prodigy. faith in me. What can yes, we say? Yes, I know. So I started out as a musician. Uh, my dad was a musician. He plays uh, mariachi music, and uh, so there were instruments around the house all of the time, and, and that's just how I started. I just, I love music. I played trumpet when I was in the fifth grade, and... And then from there, just kind of decided that I wanted to do um, 
music as, as a songwriter and being a band and I joined my first rock band when I was 17 and um, you know we did that for several years toured around Denver locally um, went on an East Coast tour and a West Coast tour and then decided that things weren't really working out it was really hard to kind of get people going and find not, reliable people yeah finding reliable people and people who aren't trying to like fuck things up or create problems um, I hope 20... this is not like a PG cast because have you listened no. to the cast okay I'm just making sure that I, this one Ma- in particular is Matt's not like okay we're going to read a G. at the end of the last cast involved glory holes I was so... comparing pre-orders to glory holes I, yeah. so, I contend that that's yeah. a very apt metaphor that is totally an apt metaphor yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's not apt. I'm just saying if we were it's aiming not a for PG, PG <laughs> you know. All right. We well, I'll just it. let the we fucks fly. Yeah, we'll, um, just, we'll just run with the radio edit later. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. If we need to, I'm just going to replace all the curse words with like me going like, yeah. Or something, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I, I did that and kind of didn't know what I wanted to do after the band ended. And decided I I loved video games, so I wanted to go and become an artist for video games. And I did that for a little while and was like, nah, this is not for me. And so I uh, went and got my associate's degree in Western Music Theory and Composition and started making music for films and doing video games on the side. And I've been doing that for several years now, and now I'm here. So that's pretty much it. Cool. That's me, in a nutshell. That's pretty awesome i actually also have an associates in uh music as it that's turns awesome out. so i was gonna ask you like if you had been classically trained and stuff so it sounds like for two years there you were yeah i mean i um i, I basically learned by ear i'm i'm self-taught my dad helped me with the technique once i mm-hmm. started like showing some interest in it um, classical guitar was was the instrument that i started with and then electrical or electric guitar from there and stuff like that um and Did then, you ever get to play any, like, flamenco or jazz guitar, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad and my dad's band, he, I, I played with his band, actually, for several years, like, when I was 16 until, well, actually, I started when I was 15. So, for a couple of years, I did that before I joined the band. And we he he loves all kinds of music. So, we did Johnny Cash covers and, and all kinds of crazy things, traditional Spanish music, traditional Mexican music, mariachi music, stuff like that. Cool. It's super cool. I mean, you can hear it in the theme song you gave us, that stylistic sort of uh, exposure, right? Because the theme song has a bunch of different ex- sort of styles in it. And that was something I noticed when you did that for us that I thought was really cool. Cool. Um, so it's it's cool to hear that you say that you kind of have that, like, classical training. I'm going to nerd out, by the way, guys, because I'm totally a music nerd. Are you so going to nerd out on our podcast? It's, I know, on our nerd <laughs> life podcast. Yeah. No, so I wanted to be a professional musician for a while, but I just never quite got through doing, I don't know, never quite broke in. But uh, I think it's awesome that we've got somebody on here doing it. So just FYI, warning. This is going to be a geek out cast for Nathaniel. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> As I, opposed to all those store. other casts. Uh, my office store, there's yeah, a I no know. geeks, no nerds allowed signs. So. <laughs> I'm glad you have uh, uh, multiple no nerds allowed signs. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, man. So, uh, Matt, I guess since... Quentin is here as well. We need to we need to get some more background on him, I think, right? I mean, so we had sure. intended this to be a a single interview cast, but yeah. uh, Quentin Quentin being on the scene gives us a cool opportunity to provide what I'm going to now dub the 
drunken remote double interview podcast. Yeah, hey, I um, think that's that's about right. Just change that remote to a D, and we got the alliterative title. I know, and <laughs> the distant. the drunken Denver, distant the drunken distant Denver podcast. There you go, Something the like double Denver distant podcast. Denver yeah. double interview podcast. <laughs> right. Right. There um, you go. I think that's the title of this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Quentin, um, <laughs> how did you get into games? Probably well, the same way I did. Yeah, so um, strangely, uh, my background is kind of like the computer version of what Emma just described. Uh, I got into uh, computers professionally, quote-unquote, when I was 15 doing a, uh internship at a local PC shop. And I've worked in... Uh, computers pretty much ever since in one way or another. Uh, I've uh, been a technology director, I've been a network engineer, I've been a physical network installer, I've been in telecom, and uh, I kind of just fell into games. Um, and uh, It's easier for programmers. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, e- it's, e- it's a lot easier for people in the technical uh, in the technical sort of disciplines to fall into the games industry, I think. Yeah, if you're design or art. Yeah, yeah, it's something you really have to focus on, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of intention, I think, that has to go behind it if you want to get into more of the more of the what people traditionally call the creative ends right. of of games, and um, you know. But that said, you know, there's a lot of creativity and unique problems that come oh, yeah. up in games, even on the technical side. You know, I mean, we're constantly pushing the envelope of what our tech stack can do. Oh, yeah. And, um... I mean, I've always heard that games are one of the big drivers of PC evolution. Sure, sure. You know, and on, and on the client side, that's that's definitely true. I mean, for sure. if, it, if, it weren't for, if it weren't for games, none of us would have 3D rendering on any of our... Uh, hardware yeah. 3D rendering on any of our machines. Right. You know, and, you know, mo- everything that I deal with is is on the server side. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with the infrastructure and the high availability and the networking and all that sort of stuff. And and then also enabling a lot of the development workflows and that kind of stuff. Right. And, and from a purely software engineering problem, the stuff that we deal with for game development is a kind of interesting, hard software engineering problem because not only are we dealing with legitimately hard problems at, at large scales, we're usually doing it on an abbreviated timeline with uh, heavily <laughs> reduced resources. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing about working in gaming is everyone who's there is, is like cream of the crop because the tech people are all... I, I mean, there's, there's a little... It's still hard to get into games as sure. a tech person. Sure. Um, but yeah. Well, it, it, and it's and it's hardest if it's something you really want to do, because then you can't. It's harder to be happy doing something else right. while you're waiting yeah. for that break. You know, if you're looking at it as an end goal and you need that break, then I think emotionally that's a lot harder. Whereas mm-hmm. if you can just say, "Hey, I do cool tech stuff," and you know, you kind of bounce around, and then it's like, "Oh, hey, now I get to do cool tech stuff with." awesome people who have a lot of common interests mm-hmm. and you know at lunchtime we we play games together we, we play and, pokemon in the in yeah lunch room yeah exactly you know <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it's like oh hey this is this is really cool yeah e- emma do you have because i know that with us you were working in qa and not necessarily doing the composing do you, do you find that that frustration that quentin was talking about 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, I think that Quentin just explained what I think so many people in the games industry go through who are not necessarily in the field that they, uh, you know, want to be in, in the discipline that they want to be in, but they are in the field, um, you know, they're in game, you know, development and stuff like that. They're just not doing what they have set out to do. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's just more, it's... It's definitely frustrating and it's emotionally draining. Um, and I think that it's different because for a musician it, anymore, there really aren't any video game development companies that have in-house audio. I mean, that's just not the case. So if you're trying to find a job as in like an in-house audio person, um, it's a little bit more challenging, especially on the side of music. It's, it's far more likely, and especially with how many indie games are being made now, um, that you're going to find a developer who's going to want to hire you to do some sure. music or sure, and I think and I think that that's a legit in for people who want to get into want to get into music and want to get into the other creative disciplines in the industry. Mm -hmm. Is once you start to know people who are in the industry, you know everybody has side projects and exactly. everybody yeah. has those those little those little passion projects that they that they work on, and once you know them. And they say, "Hey, we need audio for this." Exactly. You know, yeah. I think I think that that that's a, that that's a, a really legit end. You know, and I've I've certainly run into that a lot, where people who I've met, um, not necessarily in games in my case, but in other industries, have called me up years after I, I had any real connection with them and said, "Hey, you know, remember me? We we worked on this thing together, and I have this new project, and I think you'd be a really good fit for it." Right. Yeah. You know? That happens a lot in games, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah if, if we didn't make it clear, uh, Q and Matt and myself, we all used to work together at a game company. At Mystery Company X. Yes. Right. yes. Which would not be hard to find out which it is. No. Yeah. But, yeah. It would take about three minutes of interneting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Less no than Googling. That. Yeah, no Googling. Anyone who's listening, yeah. no Googling. So yeah. Just put down do your phone. Wikipedia cross-linking, though. <laughs> That's allowed. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. To finish that, I suppose. It's really good working in QA. Um, working in any discipline in game development is important, regardless of what the end goal is, because you under having a really good understanding of not only how companies work, but how game development works um, is only going to serve to help you more, you know, well, the, just understand and be better at what you do. The connections well, are helpful. And the connections are helpful. Because even working there for two years, mm -hmm. now I have contacts at, at game, like, probably ten different game companies. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just, People float around a lot, like, exactly. in the game development. Yeah. I mean, you guys industry. both brought up something that I think is really interesting, the, sort of the abbreviated timeline aspect, right? I mean, you didn't explicitly say this, Emma, but, you know, the, the timeline crunch stuff and the ability to produce... Um, quality rapidly, right? Right. Is I think a skill people have to really develop as well, and that's probably why the freelancing stuff's such a nice in. Is yes. it's an opportunity yeah. to learn to produce quality on timelines. Yeah. Um, you know, at least coming out of college, I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and I think and I think that's one of the things that really uh, sorts out people on the technical side from the industry. You know, if you yeah. can't. If you can't produce on those on those short timelines, you're you'll either you'll either burn out or get washed out pretty quickly. Well, mm -hmm. 
and I and well, I think probably burn out no matter what. Well, yeah, yeah, there, <laughs> burn out more that. quickly. There is, yeah, that. that's but, that is a common problem. I understand. Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think that that that's one of the reasons why you get so many super smart people in games because one way or another, the only people who can manage to hang in for an extended period of time are the ones who are who are able to produce on that short time that short time scale. And, well, and there's I, also a, a meta-production part of it, mm-hmm. which is it, knowing what to produce. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, not having to spin your wheels on something that's not going to work. Being able oh, to yeah, look ahead sure. and being like, this is not, I need to change paths. For sure, yeah. There, there's, there's this, or I'm being told to do this, but I'm not going to because I know in a week they'll tell me to not do that, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's one of that's my favorite a, skills. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a super, super important skill. I mean, there's... Y- I, th- I think in order to hang long term, you have to develop this sort of this sort of instinct for what's important and what's not, and be yeah. able to s- be able to separate those things pretty quickly without without necessarily spending a lot of time fiddling around with it and and just making that decision. And that's one of those sort of weird meta skills that's really hard to teach people, right? You know, yeah. and and I think and I think from from the technical side again, you know, I've. I think it's a skill that you can cultivate, but it takes a long time. You know, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, as, as I alluded to before, I've been doing this since I'm 15, so that's, what, 21 years in yeah. IT in one way or another? And five years. Five years. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and and that gets to be, that gets to be really important um, if you're going to, if you're going to hang in there for, for the long term. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, looking at both sides of this, I think is really interesting to see the parallels there. Emma, when when you did our theme song, one of the things I thought was really cool was this this ability to put stuff together rapidly. I mean, you had an idea to us the night we asked you to do it. Yeah, that was and the, the final was version impressive. was not far from that. I mean, it was a much more sophisticated form, but that idea was fully actualized in that first thing you sent us you know yeah. and i thought i i think that's something that's just really interesting to see paralleled on both sides here is that ability to sort of rapidly conceptualize a solution to the the problem and then actually you know uh deliver that quickly yeah yeah i mean a, a lot of that i think for me personally has to do with learning how to just kind of focus you know, mm-hmm. and, and obviously not get distracted by things, um, but also focus on, like, wh- what are the core elements that, you know, that I'm creating, you know, for for, for this entity, right? Like, what, yeah. what what is the core element of this, um, you know, the personality of, of, you know, whether it's the podcast or a film or whatever, and then just kind of from there, with experience figuring out, okay, what instruments are going to fit with this type of motif you, that I'm going for. Do you want to for. use so, like, our theme song as an example of that? Well, sure, I was just yeah. about to say, say uh, there's this concept of reuse that I would like us to talk about, which I know is vital on the programming side, right? You reuse code. You reuse solutions. Right. But you sourced some of our basic idea from a Sonic the Hedgehog theme song. Correct. Or, you know, you, that, you were like, check this out, and then I hummed a ditty, and we put the two pieces together. But that's a con- that's an artistic reuse, right? And I think that's really, yeah. really, again, another super interesting connection there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess to explain, I mean, basically what we did is we talked about, okay, what is almost focused? 
Um, and then we talked about, okay, well, you know, gaming, uh, you know, what are some kind of like themes that we feel would fit? And when I'm talking about themes, I'm talking about thematic in the sense of like, okay, is it going to be dramatic? Like what feeling? No, it's going to be more of like, uh, an old school video game and it's gonna be like really upbeat and like excited and things like that so I pulled the Casino Night theme from Sonic the Hedgehog 2 yeah. and I was like okay Hedge like what awesome. if we go with like something like this direction yeah and you, and you sent so that to cool. us and Nathaniel and I were just walking around all day humming it dancing and humming the tune <laughs> just being like oh yeah lee dee dee yeah, yeah it was good good stuff yeah because and I mean because it's also we talked about how you know it's a lot it's a really fun podcast you guys are funny you're fun to listen to so I just kind of wanted to keep with that theme of like My fun and heart. funny and kind of like a silly type of theme but so not the so. not the dungeon theme from Mario not the no I would have gone for Water World though the water oh. theme is freaking yeah. great yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Every single track... You're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2 still, right? Yeah. I know. I no, think we, we switched to Mario. We switched, switched to, Mario. to Mario, but those yeah. classics, man, their theme songs were all, all well, of the music. Well, and I fantastic. think it brings up something you're getting at, Emma, which is a lot of water themes have a similar feel to them. Like, yeah. kind of an echoey, like, maybe minor key. Whereas, right. like, this kind of upbeat, like, almost game show theme... You know, like there's a there's a elements to that that you pull together. Right, right, exactly. Because I mean, people know when they're going to watch a game show, it's going to be funny and entertaining, and um, it's just kind of like I guess going back to the the psychology of it. I, I really think a lot about okay, like who's who's going to be listening to this, and you know, the psychology of okay, what are people used to hearing, like in terms of instrumentation and in terms of um, you know, like little motifs and things and things like that, melodies. Um, you know. I love hearing you say this because you're just, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, to me anyway, it sounds like patterns, right? Right. Mm -hmm. you're, you're designing songs, basically, and these are musical design patterns. And I love it because we use that in programming all the time. Yeah. You know, design patterns are a thing. It's the conceptualization you apply. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I think that's just so, so interesting to hear you guys sort of echoing for one another. Yeah. And I mean, when I work, it's definitely a lot about you know, like, creating this underlying idea that people are going to be able to hear and go, oh, yeah, that means this to me, mm -hmm, right? This mm -hmm. makes me feel this. And then, like, as an artist, like, doing things to that, whether it's using unusual instrumentation or kind of, like, flipping melodies on their heads, doing different things that are a little bit more unexpected because I want them to be more mine. Like, I want it to have a little bit of my signature in there and not just be you know, like the trite, you know, dramatic strings, you know, the horror scenes, psycho in the show. I mean, not that that's trite, but I'm just saying it's used a lot, you know, when it, whenever <laughs> something terrible is going to happen in a movie. So, right. you know, finding unusual ways to kind of make it remind people of that, but also make it my own. Right. Like, bring, show an idea, a feeling, but also show this is Emma's. Right. right. Like those two together. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of fiddling. Yeah. A lot of fiddling. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't any fiddle in our, our theme song, I don't think. Yeah. No, no fiddle. <laughs> no uh, fiddle. Maybe that was we, our big maybe if we had our... dad joke for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We should do a country podcast and, and have her do a reprise. Oh, man. So, <laughs> one of the things. Totally sick. I think I'm we're doing some banjo. <laughs> Depending on what order we put these up in, this is either a spoiler or a rehash. But <laughs> Westerado's theme song or uh, soundtrack is incredible. 
Which um, theme song? West Dorado, which is one oh, of the yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I am or will have had looked at. I'm not sure. You know, timing <laughs> being so fluid. Uh, I, I don't really understand Just how talk in the present tense and it won't get confusing. That I You're am looking talking at. about. It's true. I am currently talking about it, too, yeah. so present tense is accurate. I am talking about West Dorado, and its theme song is good. Uh, <laughs> um, so let me, let me ask Quentin a question, kind of what Emma was saying. You know, Emma talks about her process being getting a feel, help, helping people think a certain way, or remind, reminding them of a situation or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot of beer. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I have weight. a beer fridge, and what, we what are drinking the from the beer fridge. The, the distant Denver drunken double interview podcast? Yeah. I want it more will. D's in there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can work on it more later. Uh so for Quentin, do you, when you're doing these technical infrastructure things, mm-hmm. um, I'd imagine because I've done it that <laughs> <laughs> it's a less um, communicative process. Like you're not necessarily worrying about what other people are thinking about it. Well, that kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as you are working more collaborative with people collaboratively with mm-hmm. people um, taking into account the way that they tend to do things can make things easier later later on and and making sure that you are communicative in how you do stuff um, so that they can look at the infrastructure and understand you know so, so we use we use a lot of automation uh, right. chefs specifically to manage our infrastructure um, and so, yeah, any of you aspiring nerds out there, learn Chef. Um, it's awesome. Like, um, Chef, um, suck on my chocolate salty ball. <laughs> but that's Emma's recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the different Chef. That's the different Chef. chef Study is from a, Isaac Hayes, guys. Yeah. So the, the, the Chef I'm talking about is from the company formerly known as Opscode. Um, and not ops code. No, they changed their name to Chef. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, now they're impossible to Google. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they went from extremely difficult to Google and to impossible to Google because it used to be like, okay, Google Chef Knife Wustoff. What the? I don't. <laughs> I, okay, but anyway. Um, so having having those, uh, you know, sort of set patterns uh you know looking up patterns and and using those patterns in your own infrastructure is is really valuable because usually people solve things a particular way because it's a good solution Mm -hmm. you know it becomes a pattern because it works but then you also have to look at that and see how it may not necessarily apply to your circumstance and you need to adjust it Mm -hmm. you know or you can take that pattern and approach it from a slightly different angle to make it more like other patterns you use. Right. And that makes it easier for other people you're working with to understand what's going on. Right. You know? Well, it's interesting that the the audience is a little bit different and the type of information you're communicating is obviously different, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's I mean, totally, totally different. It's not emotional, right? I mean, a lot of what Emma was describing with the musical information was you know you're, you're conveying feelings you want people to feel like they're in the water you want them to feel mm. like it's a game show um but what you're really talking about is you want people to understand very technical instructions right oh this yeah is, absolutely this is a set of operations but uh, but i still think the the parallel here is that you're presenting patterns to people and those patterns communicate 
certain things. Well, so and, and in most cases, patterns being recognizable, right? I mean, right. We yeah, recognize... there's that there's that element of familiarity, right? You know, yeah. you, you exactly. see that you see this thing, and 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 you immediately, if it's something you're familiar with, you immediately know how to deal with it, and you you have you sort of have, understanding. Yeah, you you have this intuitive sense of what it's going to do, and that makes people comfortable you know whether mm -hmm. it's whether it's a, a purely emotional thing like music or or a very technical thing like like code right you know if somebody can if somebody can interact with that and be comfortable with it um you're immediately going to be able to reach them and communicate with them more effectively absolutely and if that means you're able to make them feel something and be more immersed in the game or that means you're you're able to let them be more productive at work while they're getting their new piece of infrastructure built based on the patterns that you've shown them. Right. You know, it's it's an important it's an important piece of of the interaction. It's an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I think good like network infrastructure at work. It's it's the same as like music in a in a really good film. It's it's all like subliminal. You just intuitively mm -hmm. know like it's it's like in, the, in a film, it, the music subliminally tells you this is what is going on emotionally in the scene. And then mm -hmm. like you know like good UI design, it's intuitive. You know how to use it. You don't have to you know go through and be like okay wait. What? It's really like cool. I, I don't understand how this is working. Yeah, it's all it's all stuff that you want people to not be consciously aware of most of the time. Exactly. I, I mean, that's a, that's a really neat parallel. The best horror movies, right, are the ones where the music gets super crazy and you don't even hear it, right? Like, exactly. Right. You're, you're fucking terrified, but, and the music is there doing it, but you don't even hear it. You're not exactly. noticing it. Well, and, and Psycho is like that. I mean, exactly. you mentioned it as being trite earlier. Well, no, it's I not will, trite. I'm making fun of you. <laughs> I'm going to beat you, now. <laughs> well, so, so Psycho, that the original, by come back. is by definition not trite. Like, the actual no, no, no. movie that, is not trite. <laughs> the, the music there heightens the suspense so yeah. much. Well, and... uh, another great example is um, what's the Kubrick one uh, about? Clockwork Orange. No, well, yeah, uh... Clockwork Orange does great music work, but um, I'm thinking of the one up in the mountains, the hotel one. Yes, just, yeah. it's supposed to be like the Stanley Hotel. The Shining. The Shining. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which also has phenomenal horror music. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I would totally it's, agree with you. Dude, I absolutely I watched adore that eight that movie. alone, and I it horrified the hell out of me. Like, oh yeah, nothing yeah, has ever imagine. scared me as bad as that movie did. Um, so I have another question for both of you, Emma yes. and Quentin, who I'm pointing at. Yes. Um, so, uh, what is your favorite thing about working in games? Oh, um, okay. I'll go first. Uh, absolutely, far and away, my favorite thing about working in games is the people I get to work with. Um, again, I, I've never before in my career have I worked with a group of people who is simultaneously so entertaining and challenging and smart and just able to push me to do better work and to push me to be more creative. And uh, it's, it's, it's just been, I mean, that, that element by itself is has made the whole experience worthwhile you know and it's uh, you know i would i would say that that my time in games has uh really really allowed me to to get some some really good friendships that i think are going to last a long time with like-minded people who like i said I, I i feel like i go to work every day and i'm going to be challenged mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm going to be pushed to be better 
and that's largely due to the people that I'm working with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with, mm -hmm. with your answer. Um, I mean, what I do is hard and it's taken me a lot of years to kind of get to the point that I, that I'm at now. And I think that's true of a lot of people in the tech industry. It takes them a long time to kind of like start to establish themselves and really kind of like figure out how they can best contribute. Um, but all, all of that hard work w would not make me stay. The time investment would not make me stay if it weren't for the phenomenal and amazing people that I get to work with in games and the people that I've met who work in games who are friends that, you know, maybe I've worked with some of them. Maybe these are just random people that I've met at GDC or, or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible that it's such a phenomenal, uh, just randomly phenomenal group of people. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's kind of weird that you find such a great, um, group of people. I mean, such a large number Mm -hmm. of yeah, like phenomenal I, people in, in this group. Yeah, and I, th I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about the industry is because because it spans so many disciplines and yeah. because it really requires people to, to be, you know, uh, up on their game, it... So uh, to speak. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> um, uh, hold on, we're done. Unfinished. <laughs> Um, it, uh, it, it collects, it tends to attract people who really inspire each other. And that, and that creates this, this synergy where, where it kind of builds on itself. Yeah. You know, um, so, so I think it's really interesting, you know, um, first of all, we're getting close to time, but I'd actually like us to just keep going. I think this is a cool conversation and, you know, we were going to do it for 35 minutes, but I don't think anybody would mind if, if you guys want to just keep talking for a little while longer. Oh, that's um, great. Sure. So uh, just get that out of the way since we're almost at that original cap. But um, I think you it's really interesting. Segue. Yeah, brutal segue. It has yeah, to be that's, brutal. that's how it works. Here, um, yeah. I'll just randomly insult everyone and then start it. talking about indie games. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> it'll just be like, fuck all of you. So what's your favorite beer? <laughs> yeah. That's how it um, rolls. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I think it's really cool. Is our, at least my intent wasn't to really have this be a, you know, how do you get into games? How do you think about games? It was more just to sort of talk about what you guys do. But you both have really volunteered um, in a very good-natured way. I think a lot of really useful information to people who are wanting to be in games or who are passionate about it. And so, sort of as another question, similar to what Matt asked, you know, if you guys were each to say, you know, a single piece of advice to enthusiasts who wanted to take it to that next level, you know, what would that be? Um, and I, you know, maybe you guys want to think about it for a while. I know that's sort of a, a random question, but I've been struck by sort of the, the willingness to sort of provide insights based off of your experience. I think, just right away, the, the takeaway I get from listening to these two is you know, learn a craft and hone it well and, and just get really good at that. Mm -hmm. And that'll transition. I mean, just practice the, the craft you need to make a game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's that's absolutely what my answer would be, is find the, find the thing that you love that you're good at and you you really want that to be your craft and get good at it and really work on that and really focus on that 
regardless of what industry you're doing it in. You know, be get to the point where you can say, I'm I'm genuinely really good at this thing that I do. There are not very many people who do this as well as I do. Right. Do and you think there then, are, and you then think... once once you've done that, once you've gotten to the point that you're really good at it, then try to get into games. You know, and then try to move into the industry that you really want to be in. And, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people... I don't think very many people want to approach it that way because that's not the cool, fun way. Yeah. But I, but I think, but I think it's probably the more reliable way. Yeah. You know, it's like if you ask a game designer, right, how to become a game designer, they have the most annoying answer, which is design a bunch of games. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's not helpful. Right. And so, and, but 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 it's but it's the corollary, right? I mean, that is essentially what they're saying is take the thing you want to do and get good at it. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, and so. If if you try get to look good. at it the other way, if you try to look at it the other way, you know I'm going to get into the industry somehow, and then get good at it. That that immediately raises the bar to entry. Yeah, and, you're going to be testing a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, <laughs> and, and 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 don't get don't you know don't get us wrong. QA is hugely important and underappreciated. Yeah, you know, for sure. I, I have you know I have to t- I have to say everybody who's in QA, I love you. Uh, and, the best. Our and, favorite hire at our current company is the QA tester yeah, man. Yeah, Nathaniel we, and I we are love like that guy. Flowers, and yeah, because QA I've is so to, to totally <laughs> QA is so totally the unsung hero of the industry. Yeah. Oh man, you it's know? the unknown, and, unsung industry of tech in general. I think yeah, people yeah. do not you know, understand its importance. Right, and and but I think part of that reason is so many people. You know, it, it is viewed in so by so many people as like the easy way to get into the industry. Yeah, so many people use it as a stepping stone to something else. Yeah. And and I think that's such a disservice to it. You know, I mean, yeah. we've we've been looking at hiring ops people forever. I mean, it's impossible to hire good ops people right now. And, you know, one of the reasons one of the reasons that we had a hard time hiring for it is I refuse to hire somebody who obviously is using it as a stepping stone to something else. Yeah. You know, I I have no interest in having someone on my ops team who is looking to is, bail. is looking to is looking to use it as an in and wants and really wants to do client development or whatever else game design or yeah exactly because because if they don't have a passion for the op stuff they're not going to do it as well as they could mm-hmm. you and know? you need and, that to be quality and yeah and i mean without that that's the that's that's the foundation that everything else is built on i mean you know the the metaphor i have for my job is i sit at the bottom of a crater and everybody else in the in the company is up at the edge of the crater, and they're rolling boulders down the hill. <laughs> and, and my job is to catch those boulders and stack them neatly in the center of the in the center of the crater, and make sure none of the other boulders that are coming down the hill knock over the ones I've already stacked. Yeah, I sat next to you. That's a pretty apt metaphor. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and sometimes. I get hit in the back of the head and get, get by a boulder and get totally creamed by it, and you know that 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 happens. That's part of the job, but I don't want somebody to be slacking off on that because be and not paying attention to that and not being able not turning themselves into the best boulder catcher possible because they really want to be up on the edge rolling them down. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I can piggyback off of that, I think that, like, for anyone who wants to get into the games industry, period, it doesn't matter what discipline you're trying to get into the industry doing, um, be willing to get good at a lot of things. That's true, And be willing, sure. be willing to work really hard at the thing that you want to do in your free time. Um, and 
I mean, I, I, I kind of like love and hate the word passion um, because it, it's just, I, so I don't overused. know, it, it's so overused, you know, like, oh, I'm passionate about this, that, and the other. And, and like, while that's true, you also have to have like a really good work ethic and realize that no matter, like, especially in tech, the people that I know that are really successful in tech, whether they work at Google or Facebook or, you know, any of the big companies or they work at a, a local video game development company, they're good at a lot of different things. They've worked a lot of different jobs and they got like passionate. And, and by that, I mean, like put their nose to the grindstone and really worked hard at contributing, you know, the, the best possible, their best possible work in that field. And, and didn't lose sight of, hey, I, I really enjoy designing games or I really enjoy making music and that's really what I want to do. And you just have to be willing to kind of like work hard at a lot of different things. Right, yeah, just because you have a passion about something doesn't mean it's always going to be fun. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you know, I mean, there there are, day, there are days that I'm at work and I'm just like, eh, rah, 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 I hate this. Rah, 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 rah. But, but that's, you know, big picture, that's not really true. I mean, it's it, I, I'm I'm really doing what I love to do. Yeah. Well, um, so so piggybacking, segueing off of big picture here, <laughs> you know, something to pull out of a lot of what you guys said too is this willingness to look at the quote big picture of the game development. I mean, yeah. you mentioned yeah. Emma with the music component, right? Know how games are built. Understand the actual timelines of game development. Where does music fit in that timeline? Yes. You know, when do they need sound effects by? What quality do the sound effects need to be at these different stages of development, right? Exactly. Does placeholder exactly. splotch noise work here as opposed to final splotch noise? Right. That that and and a lot of that requires insights into the QA process, the, you know, the issue tracking system. I mean, it requires a lot of insights into structural behaviors of game development organizations. Yeah. And yeah. I think what's interesting, you know, on the one hand, you say you, you don't want people coming into QA who are using it as a stepping stone, but at the same time, it seems almost like QA is a great place to learn those structural organizational yeah, yeah. behaviors. Well, yeah, I, I was talking about ops specifically, but, oh, okay, but, okay. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, QA is definitely another big entry point for people because, again, I mean, you know, for, for low-level, entry-level QA... You know, you kind of have to be a warm body and click buttons and tell people when things break. But at the same time, doing QA well and getting to a high level where you're able to quickly reproduce reproduce bugs and build good tickets and point point the programmers into in the right direction so that they can find and fix problems quickly. Well, that and good is, QA. That, you know, Good QA yeah, requires I mean, a very complicated understanding of things. Sometimes, I mean, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, writing writing good bugs is is a, a huge skill. I mean, there should be there should be you know major uh, college majors degrees designed to writing good bugs. Nathaniel and I talk about that a lot. I mean, that is that is writing a good bug is uh, is so so important in terms of making sure things get done well and quickly. And and just and a lot of people just don't appreciate it, you know. I've I've met some some really genuinely talented QA folks in my time, and um, some of them some of them have been into QA and they know that's what they're good at and that's what they like doing, and you know it's been great for them. 
and other people were using it as a stepping stone to other yeah. stuff, usually programming or or game design, and and I just kept wanting to say to them, "But you're so good at this, you need to <laughs> yeah. stay here." Well, <laughs> pay structure has something to do. With well, that, yeah, so. for sure. And, and again, I, th- I think that's that's one of their that's why they're so they're, they're among the unsung heroes. You right. know, is is that I, I feel like I feel like they're underappreciated both within and without the industry. Um. So let's get a final thought from everyone before we go on. Okay. Um, so, Emma, do you have a final thought? A final thought. Cool. Regarding what? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> I Life, don't know. Universe, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yours can be in the form of a song. Uh, it can also be in the form of a question. We accept. Uh, or a limerick. Oh, oh, these are too many, too many options. options. No, this was a man from Denver <laughs> who looked as if know. he needed to pee. That's, that was me. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, Matt, just, Matt just totally tried to sneak downstairs to hit the head again, but I he know. decided he couldn't get away with it. I know. This, this I always feel the need to call him out. <laughs> we just this is probably the third podcast that, that I've tried to end because I've had to be... Don't end prematurely. I, I don't know. My, my final thought, Go I guess it would thing. just be... What, I mean, what everything we've said. I mean, IQ has really made some really good points. I mean... Be willing to, you know, work hard, get in there, you know, focus on what you're doing and get really good at what you're doing. Um, understand that even though you might glorify this job that you're you're trying to, you know, do as your end goal, it's not going to all be sunshine and roses. I mean, I actually don't spend that much time, but I mean, I spend a lot of free time writing music and playing around and stuff like that for fun. Um, but when I'm actually working on a project, I spend a whole lot of my time, like, documenting and writing notes and, yeah. and you know, the organizing, you know, project management, you know, big overview type of stuff um, before I ever even touch an instrument and, you know, put pen to paper and start writing notes down. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I would say that for my final thought, I would say that, you know, there are certain elements of the game in, excuse me, games industry that have really been romanticized. Yeah. You know, that, you know, oh, I want to be the, the programmer who does all the cool 3D stuff. Oh, I want to be an artist. Oh, I want to be a designer. You know, and those are all important, important integral roles that, you know, the industry wouldn't exist without people to do that stuff. But there's a whole army of other people who do things that are equally as important, even though they don't have that rock star quality. Yeah. You know, they they... The industry would not exist without these other roles too and so you know if you if you have a love of games and you really want to be involved in the creation of games that doesn't mean you have to do you know one of those rock star roles in order to have that involvement you know there there's there's a huge huge array of things that go into making a game that you don't necessarily see Yep. And you know, if you if you get good at one of those things, you can you can get into the industry. You can get into the industry, and you can be involved, and you can say, "I helped build that awesome thing." And um, yeah. So it's <laughs> so since I guess uh, that's I guess that's the end. Since Matt is currently um, micturating. Uh, I figure we'll do a postscript. Oh, Matt, Matt, Matt came back. No, he's PS. back. He's here. Oh, he's back? Well, yeah. in that case, uh, I guess thank you for listening to Almost Focused. 
Let's see if he can get hooked up in time. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Matt. And these were our lovely guests. Say bye, guests. Bye, bye guests. <laughs> uh, buenos nachos. <laughs> <laughs>